So I'm gonna show you guys a new, another uh, little tune. You guys may uh, remember this one from last year. Uh, probably one of my favorites, but because of the message. It has a really awesome tune and, and rhythm, but um, the message is what's important. Um, yes. No food, no drinks in here, guys, by the way. So if you have any food, any drinks, um, please take them to the back space of this hall. Oh, I'm sorry. If you'd like to save it for me later, I would love it. Thank you. I love to eat. Who likes to eat? I love food. But, um, so the beautiful message in this is, uh, the, the, the verse, the faith, well, excuse me, the chorus goes like this. I'm not just say the word. It's, it's, it goes, I lay me down, I'm not my own. I belong to you alone. Lay me down, lay me down. Oh, hand on my heart, this much is true. There's no life apart from you. Lay me down, lay me down. Those words, pretty heavy, right? And so, as we deliver our energy, we deliver our praise uh, to our God and to his hands, as you saw a little image earlier and what we just did in mass. But as well, keep in mind, we have that beautiful, living, eternal life that we have in us right now, but through faith, by consuming that wonderful host that God offered to us. Um, so let that just flow through our brain, flow through our veins, flow through our, our tummies, flow through our hearts and energy in our bodies. Let it just overcome and just lift up a shout of praise as we sing this beautiful song. Amen? Yeah. Amen? So the chorus goes like this, and we can sing it together. It goes like this. Same. 
Father, we thank you. We thank you, thank you for your beautiful presence. We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for all that you've done for us, God. And so, God, you've given us a mission. You've given us a mission to remember. Remember your story. But, God, sometimes we uh, fill so many distractions into our, our minds, our hearts, that we forget, God. So, Lord, if tonight, in this moment, right now, as we've delivered ourselves into this wonderful song and this time of prayer, God, we ask that you pull away all those distractions as we're about to dive into a beautiful message that you have in store for us, God. You have in store through this brother that is about to come forward before us and share a wonderful message. And so, God, we ask that you open our hearts, open our minds. Open our ears, open all that there is to open God in us to just be present. Heavenly Father, we praise you. And Mother Mary, your beautiful intimacy, your love, your gorgeous presence is here with us as well. And Mama Mary, we thank you for just being there as well. Because we can always rely on your warmth and comfort. So Mother, we honor you by praying. Hail Mary. Full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou amongst women, 
Can I please have Emerson Mars, Trisha Galvin, Austin Rock, and Christian Santana meet me in the back, please? Thank you. This is awkward. <laughs> Can I have a seat? My name is Joel, and I'm pretty awkward myself. And I think it's good to open up with that confession. Is there any other awkward people here? See, and I can always tell, because you kind of slap the person next to you when you raise your hand. You're like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to pick your nose. I just, he's awkward, and me too. <laughs> me. Now, here's the thing. Some of you folks, you say you're awkward, but I don't necessarily believe that you're awkward the way I'm awkward. There are three kinds of awkward people in this world. There's fakers. And a faker is, can be best described like in this situation. This is how you know a fake awkward person. They're the person that's like, I'm so, so awkward. I'm an awkward person. <laughs> and then you're out somewhere, maybe like, you know, you're at a homecoming dance or like prom and you're all dancing awkwardly. This is how I dance. And people generally don't like to dance around me. Not because they're embarrassed, but because they get hit with elbows and hands and like a foot. <laughs> And you're not dancing, fake awkward person. You're like, I, I can't. It looks stupid when I dance. It's stupid. I'm going to go get some punch. But you don't go get punch. You go to the DJ and you're like, hey, you slip on a piece of paper. This is my jam. <laughs> don't play it now. No, shh, shh. Not now. In 37 minutes. Exactly 37 minutes. Because my crush will walk through that door and then you will put a single spotlight on me. <laughs> and then you bust out all these crazy, like, Michael Jackson moves no one's ever seen before. You look like Chris Brown in a music video. <laughs> and you're a faker. You're not a real awkward person. Because a real awkward person, you know, there's a second kind of awkward person that's just slightly awkward, you don't always say the right thing, you know, and you're normal awkward. But then there's the third type of awkward person, that's me. You trip upstairs. You know what I mean? Like maybe you're down, like you're, you're down on the lower level of your house and your mom like shouts up or, you know, and she's like, hey, come, come upstairs, I got baked cookies. You're like, cookies, I love cookies. And you go and you know it's bad because you hit like that, that lip, like, you know, the lip of a step. And you're excited so you're running because you love cookies and you trip and there's that split second moment where you're like, no. There's nothing you can do, so you just kind of like go with it. And then there's the next moment where you have this beautiful, there's enough momentum where you're, you're actually flying <laughs> up the stairs. And you're just like, maybe if I will it, I can make it all the way up. I'll swim through the air. But you don't, because then you look down, and you're like, no. And you kind of hit the steps and you're so demoralized and defeated that you don't even try to get back up. You just slide all the way down the steps and you lay on the bottom like this. And your dad comes along and he's like, you tripped up the steps again, didn't you? I'm like, yeah, just leave me here. But bring me, bring me some of those cookies. Just put them down by my face so I can just kind of 
eat them right off the ground. That's the kind of awkward person that I am. And here's the thing. When you're awkward like that, you learn how to deal with it from a very young age. I was in fifth grade. I was out grocery shopping with my parents, Sunday morning grocery shopping. And Sunday morning grocery shopping is like the busiest time to go grocery shopping. It's like on Saturday, everybody was like, ah, there's no food. We'll go grocery shopping tomorrow. We'll order pizza tonight. And it's busy, and we're going grocery shopping, and the whole time I'm bugging my mom. I hated grocery shopping. I'm like, Mom, my tummy hurts. She's like, I know you hate grocery shopping. You're fine. I'm like, no, it really hurts. And it really hurt. And the bathrooms to this particular grocery store were up in front of the store by the cash registers. And there were a lot of people checking out. And as a fifth grader, I'll I had a Chicago Bulls t-shirt on. <laughs> I'll never forget it, because uh, I never wore it again. <laughs> and they were so close. And I could feel just bubbles of these Eggo waffles I had had that morning. Um, apple cinnamon Eggo waffles, which I've never eaten since. And I was so close, and I just lost it right by the registers. And you know, you hear like the beeping of the registers when it's really busy at a grocery store or like, you know, your local super Walmart. And it's like beep, beep, beep. And there was just silence as I heaved all over. <laughs> and I, <laughs> fifth grade, because you gotta learn how to, this is awkward, I just yacked <laughs> everywhere. And I, I looked up and everyone had stopped. <laughs> there was one like, Cashier in mid, like, check. <laughs> Just, you know, like the beef kept ringing up. It was like, beep, beep, you know. The dude got charged for 57 slabs of steak. That, you know, there was just the one. But you gotta learn to deal with it. So, th this is no joke. I looked up and very confidently straightened up. <laughs> My shirt's a mess. And I go, I think we're gonna need a cleanup on aisle five. <laughs> I went to the bathroom. You know? I mean, you got to learn to deal with it. Uh, it but, and, like, I never, I don't get sick like that. And so when I do, it's, like, massive and violent. And I've maybe thrown up, like, four or five times, like, in my life from being sick. And so you learn to deal with it when it happens. It's, <laughs> the most recent time was this past summer. I was presenting at a studentville conference. And Saturday... For lunch, all of the presenters had like this really nice chicken lunch with like sweet potatoes and like really nice barbecue sauce, and I just felt gross. And while we were eating it, I'll never forget, one of the guys who was there was like, oh, this is the best chicken ever. I love it. It's like the best chicken ever. And I'm just like, oh, man, it smells gross. And my stomach's not feeling good. I had to get up and give the talk Saturday night. So the whole time, I'm like, I'm going to throw up on stage. I'm looking at kids in the first like couple rows, these teens, and I'm like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I just don't know. This is, this is going to wind up one of two ways, and one of them is so bad for you. <laughs> By the grace of God, I make it through this talk, and I go down into the, and I'm like kneeling, and adoration starts, and I have to like scoot because I'm like, it's time. I'm, like, this is number five lifetime, you know, barfathon. And I go down to the bathroom, and there's the, the guy, the same dude who loved the chicken from lunch, he's in the stall next to me, using, using the bathroom. I just see his shoes under the door. And I go in, and you know like before you're about to like yak, you get like sweaty, and just everything in your body is like, it's happening! 
that's happening to me. So I got a jacket on like this. I'm like taking it off. And he's probably like, what's this dude doing? He's like, hey, man, nice talk tonight. I'm like, thanks. He's like, no, it was really good, bro, you know? Like, really awesome. I'm like, dude, I am so sorry for what's going to happen. And he's like, what? And I go, <laughs> He later described it as the sound of dumping a bucket of water into a toilet while a yak screamed. <laughs> Never heard a yak scream, but apparently... That's what I sound like when I get sick. And all I remember is I looked over and he just took his, he took his feet so I can see his shoes under the stall and both of his shoes went like this. <laughs> like just in case there was, you know, spillage, he wouldn't get it on like his kicks. It's awkward, cause then I'm done. And he's like, ah, oh, and there's this silence. No one knows what to do. But you gotta learn to deal with it. So I go, it's just quiet. I'm like, he's like, are you, are you okay? <laughs> I'm like, you know what? You're right. That was the best chicken ever. <laughs> it was better the second time. <laughs> oh, it takes people a minute. They're like, oh, wait, he ate it for lunch. Hmm, I don't like that story. So I, I, I'm just kind of awkward. So sometimes I put my foot in my mouth, I say the wrong thing, and I share this with you because you're in high school. And you never share that you're an awkward person with middle schoolers because they relate to that way too much. <laughs> a couple of years ago, I, I shared the same stuff, just I'm kind of awkward, and after the talk, this one kid came up to me. He looked like a sophomore in high school. He's like, hey, I'm really awkward too. And I was like, cool. That's, me too, man. Like, what, uh, what year are you in, in high school? He goes, I'm in sixth grade. <laughs> like, you're taller than I am. He's like, I know what happened this summer. <laughs> and you can tell, like, this guy, he's just growing into his body. He probably hits stuff with his arms throughout the house. He doesn't realize they're that long. And this is no joke. He had a can of Mountain Dew. <laughs> I just want to be completely clear. He's, we're having a really nice conversation. He's not moving at all. He is just still and very reserved and just holding this can of Mountain Dew. And midway through our conversation, he goes to open it and it just explodes inexplicably all over his face. I'm like, you didn't do anything. And he goes, you see what I mean? I'm like, I'm like it gets better, dude. I don't know what to tell you, but I, he's just soaked with Mountain Dew. It's total good sport. He's like, it just stinks. I'm like, let me get you some like, tissues or something. You learn to deal with it. But this is the one thing that I've never really learned to deal with as an awkward person. Introductions are awkward. Like, I don't really know any of you yet, and I'm excited to get to know some of you over this weekend. You don't know a whole lot about me, and, but I need to get up and grab this microphone and basically tell you, like, hey, here's where I'm from, and, you know, here's who I am. And, and it's just kind of weird because it feels forced. So I'm going to try to do the best I can because I've never really learned to deal with this kind of introduction. I'm from the great state of Wisconsin. And the great state of Wisconsin requires this kind of dress code. <laughs> I'm also a Packer fan, and so this is the outfit I wore to a game they played against the San Francisco 49ers that I just would like to forget a couple of years ago. It was a playoff game, and it was like sub-zero temperatures. So I'm from the great state of Wisconsin. Specifically, I'm from a town called Manitowoc, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, famous for these incredible cranes that they make and also for the Netflix series Making a Murderer about police corruption in small town Wisconsin and the horrible accents that we all have. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's cold up there and 
when it's cold, you gotta, you know, put on the fire. And I don't know if he did it. I don't know, maybe he didn't do it. I don't know. So I'm from there, and now I'm from Phoenix. I moved out to Phoenix to work for an organization called Life Team. And so I'd have to tell people I'm from Wisconsin, and now I'm from Phoenix. I went from it being very cold to a place where it, you can cook things on your car dashboard. But that's not what your car dashboard was designed to do. It was designed to, you know, just kind of look nice and maybe you put a bobblehead Jesus there. You shouldn't bake cookies on it. And then who am I? I mean, that's a difficult question to answer. I, I'm the life sport. Uh, I, I work for Life Team. I'm the director of resource development. I do our resources. But I mean, like, I'm a lot of other things, too. I'm, I'm a son. I grew up in a home in Wisconsin. My parents are Gary and Colleen Stepanek, and I had a really good childhood. So I'm a musician. I've played music since I was a kid, and later I played in a heavy metal band. <laughs> we actually won competitions with our shows and eventually wound up on bigger stages with crazy people doing a lot of fun things. So I'm a musician. I was once an awkward middle schooler. <laughs> My mom found these home videos, and I don't... I don't know why I did that. I was a token Catholic teenager on the news. I was a peewee football star. I was a wrestling captain in high school. I'm a marathon runner and an athlete. I'm a best friend and a brother. And I married my best friend on September 8th, 2012. I knew that I was gonna marry her the first time that I saw her. And a year and a half later, I became a father Elijah Daniel is my little best friend, and we have a lot of fun together. We giggle and we laugh a lot. He likes to watch Mickey Mouse, and I just tolerate Mickey Mouse. <laughs> He's one of my favorite people in the world, and in February, I'll become a father again to Sophia Grace. My wife was supposed to come here and be with me, but God had other plans. Surprise. Who am I? I mean, that's... Tough question to ask. But those are questions you know, we all kind of ask. Like, where are you from? And who are you? And maybe a third, where are you going? That's what this weekend's about. I don't know what you've heard about the weekend or maybe what somebody who came before told you or what your expectations are. But this weekend, we're diving into those three questions. Where we're from, who we are, and where we're going. Now maybe you explicitly think of those questions, like they kind of nag on your mind when things are quiet or when you're just alone by yourself or when you're having a rough day, when you're thinking about college applications or you wind up outside of a relationship you once really were invested in. I don't know when you ask those questions, but I know we all ask them because they really dig at the core of who we are. And so this weekend I want to challenge you with Maybe some answers to those questions. And maybe they're things you wouldn't expect. But my hope is that God would do something powerful in your life through those three questions. Because God has answers for us. And when we really embrace them, your life after this weekend may never be the same. I don't know what God has in store for you. I know that there's one big story we're all going to be on. But there's a lot of individual stories that God wants to tell. And so that's what we're going to dive into. The readings at Mass today summarized it beautifully, and when we talk about who we are and where we're from, we go back to the beginning. Sacred Scripture begins with those words, in the beginning, but 
That first bit of scripture is important. Jesus referenced it in the gospel. Jesus himself says, you know, we go back to in the beginning, what it was like in the beginning. And as Catholics, we have to understand how we look at it and we read the book of Genesis. When we read it, God speaks a divine truth within those pages. But it's not the kind of truth that, you know, maybe a teacher or a professor or a friend who doesn't believe in God can so easily refute by saying, well, that's not scientific. As Catholics, we embrace scientific inquiry. In fact, it was a Catholic priest who developed the scientific method, a Catholic priest who developed the Big Bang Theory. And we hold all of those things to be, to be plausible theories, to be great scientific revelations that point back to God. In the beginning of scripture, we have wonderful imagery and truth. And it speaks the truth about who God is and our relationship to God and who we are. And so this is how your Bible begins. In the beginning, super creative. God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. In the beginning, there was chaos. Scripture paints this ancient image of chaos waters. It's really kind of an ancient archetype that a lot of cultures imagined the world to begin with. Nothing. Chaos. No order, no form. And so scripture says that the earth was void. There was nothing. Some translations say it was an abyss. I don't know what comes to mind when you think of like an abyss. I think about like my seventh grade Spanish grade. It was an abyss. It was nothing. It was black and bleak and got me grounded for a significant amount of time. Chaos. And so we have nothing. We have stirring. We have disorder. And the first truth that is spoken is that God begins to make order. That God separates light and dark. That God brings forth land. That God begins to bring form out of chaos. Now think about theories that you hear in science class. This is consistent. It speaks the truth in theological language and language about God. But when we think about the Big Bang Theory, what is the Big Bang Theory? That life existed in a singularity, a super dense particle. And then outside of that was nothing. It's impossible for us to imagine nothing. And so it's chaos. And from that one point of matter, all of life sprang forth. And what happened over time? It became more and more complicated and more and more complex. And organisms diversified till eventually there was us who create art and music, who love and write poetry, who build incredible buildings and machines that fly. Civilization, humanity, complexity but not random. Now God's a God of order. And so when we look at things where we may differ from someone who's a non-believer, we would say, but all of that, there's a hand in all of that. That it didn't just come to be randomly, that, that it's modeled and it's formed after something. And, and in verse 26 of Genesis, what we heard today, and it bears repeating, God, after all of this, life gets more and more complex, says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle, all the earth, and over creeping things on the earth. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. God created.
created him. In Latin, there's a phrase for this. It's imago Dei, which means in the image of God, the image of the deity. You see, you were not made randomly. You were formed. And this is where the scripture, which sometimes can seem impersonal, becomes personal. You, you personally were formed in the image and likeness of God. That men and women reflect something about who God is. But you also reflect something about who God is. You see, God is infinite and beyond comprehension. And all of us bear his image and say something unique about that God. So when we ask, who are you? There are a lot of superficial things you might say. Things that may be true right now. I'm an athlete. I'm a scholar. I'm going to go to this school. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I'm a boyfriend. I'm a girlfriend. I'm a best friend. I'm a soccer player. I'm a scholarship person. I mean, like all of these things. And those things maybe are true now, and maybe they won't be true a year from now. Maybe they're true now, and they won't be true a day from now. Our identity goes a little bit deeper than that. It goes back to this. The fact that you were created personally by God. Jeremiah is a prophet, and God says to Jeremiah, before you were even formed in your mother's womb, like, I knew you. God knows you. Like, can you just take a second to think about it? God knows you. Because God formed you and God created you. You weren't an accident. You weren't a mistake. You were deliberate and intentional on the mind of God who willed that you would be and holds you in existence. We go back to the beginning to find out who we are because knowing this, that our identity is rooted in God, is critical. As that awkward middle schooler who, for whatever reason, flipped off a chair... I think, I think I was trying to, it was when Eminem was first becoming popular, and I think I was recording, like, my new rap personality, which was Skittles. And I think I was just yelling, I'm Skittles, I'm Skittles, I'm Skittles, and then I flipped off a chair. I don't try, I don't try to make sense of it. I just thank God that somehow, I don't even know. That's, how, that's where grace comes in, my friends. In that confusing time, I had that question, who am I? I sat down and talked to my dad. I said, I just don't know. And he said, our identity is made of three things. There's who you think you are. What image do you have of yourself? There's who other people think you are, which is largely determined by our actions. The people closest to you, not your enemies, not the people who hate you, not the people who gossip about you, but those who love you. What do they think you are? And then who you really are. And when those three things, when those three components of our identity match up, life makes sense. There isn't this dissonance and chaos. And the only way to really live a life in harmony is to begin with what is true. Your identity as God sees you. As a son, as a daughter, is made in his image and likeness. Because what you see in yourself may not be true. If you look in the mirror and you're like, I hate who I am. I hate the way I look. I hate my past. I hate my sins. I, I can't stand myself. That's not how God sees you. And maybe people who love you demean you. Maybe people who say they love you don't even really care. Maybe they say false things about you. Or maybe your actions have created a false image of who you are. So that can sometimes be deceiving. So the first thing I want you to remember as we move forward is that you're made in God's image and likeness. That's true. And that you're created good.
after God creates the man and the woman, he looks at everything that he's made, and them specifically, and says, this is very good. This is different than the rest of creation. This is something I've set apart as my own. This is something I've made specifically for a relationship with me. This one I have plans for. And the moment you were formed, God said the same thing. This one, you, I have plans for. And that plan brings you here. And because you're created in God's image and likeness, you have dignity and worth. Every single person in this room has it. And nothing you do, this is the incredible thing about being made in God's image and likeness, nothing you do can ever diminish your dignity and your worth. No crime you could commit, no sin you could commit, nothing you could say, nothing you could do will ever diminish your dignity and worth. When we understand this, you understand the key to so much of Catholic social teaching. Why we can't turn our back on the poor and the powerless and the marginalized, because nothing they can do can destroy their dignity and worth. Why we go and minister to those in prison. Why we can't forget those serving life sentences. Because they have still have dignity and worth because they're still made in the image and likeness of God. Why the Catholic Church opposes euthanasia and abortion. And why the Catholic Church can look at you and say, you are worth more than you think you are. More than your sins and more than your failures. And nothing you can do can ever diminish it. Because nothing you can do can erase the image that's been imprinted on you. And so when we go back to our beginning to ask who we are, we realize that we're created with dignity and worth, that we're created good, and that we're similar but different than everything else in our world. There was a great overview given about Theology of the Body by Clarissa, which talks about these audiences that St. John Paul II gave. And the audiences sought to answer this question. Who are we? How are we designed? For what purpose were we made? And can the fact that we're made in the image and likeness of God, can our very bodies tell us something about who God is? Because if we're made in the image and likeness of God, that means that we should be able to look at how we were designed, how we were made, and, and learn something about who God is. And in Genesis, we learn this, that we were created by God for his own purpose. In chapter 2 of Genesis, if you think back to vacation Bible school picture books of Adam and Eve and their strategically placed fig leaves. You know, there's this scene with Adam. He's naming all the animals. You know, the puppies come along and Adam says, puppy. <laughs> and the cows come along and he says, cow. And a unicorn comes along and he says, unicorn. but none of them form a suitable partner for Adam. So the next creation story focuses in specific on the relationship between God and, and humanity. None of these creatures are like him. Adam looks at his own body and then looks at the cow and says, huh, that's not, uh, no, <laughs> nope, doesn't match up, looks different. I have no spots, nor do I have udders. <laughs> Next. In Genesis chapter 2, Adam also names the animals. Throughout sacred scripture, to name something was to have power over it, to own its name. So even here, Adam has an authority that the animals don't have. Adam can name 
the animals. And at the end of it all, Genesis chapter 2 says that Adam was lonely. None of these are similar to me. I, I don't have anything. It's just me. And there's a beauty in this statement because Adam is alone before God. And Adam recognizes something incredible in this moment. Adam has a special and unique relationship with God. That Adam stands the only human, the only creature that can have an understanding of God beyond these other creatures, that has free will, that has self-determination, that can make its own decisions, and that is aware of who he is as different. We each stand there, and that's where we begin. Each one of us stands uniquely before God tonight. God sees you. You are similar to the world, but you are different from the world. Some people may seek to reduce you to the realm of animals. Well, you just are going to do certain things because, you know, you're just animals. You have biological drives. But we recognize that something is different. We're above creation. We're not a random accident, but we're divine providence. And as somebody who is divine providence, you stand in a unique relationship before God this weekend. God's called each one of you here individually. And right now, God sees just you. I think sometimes in these groups it's difficult because there's like the collective response of like, well, we're all here. So when the person up front says something like, God calls you, I think about the holiest person in the room, the seminarian, the priest, the, the, the religious sister, the person in youth group who I know is going to be a priest even though I really want to date him. <laughs> and we think about that person, but we don't think of us. We think God sees that person, but we don't necessarily think that God sees us. God does see you. Because you yourself also have an individual relationship with God. Now, maybe you've neglected that or set it aside, or maybe you haven't been attentive to it, but that doesn't diminish the fact that you have it, that it exists. And we call this, in Theology of the Body, and I'll refer to this a couple times, we call this original solitude, that the very first humans realized that they were alone and unique in their relationship with God. The moment that they realize, I am a singular, unique creature, different than all the rest, and created for a very specific purpose. Given dominion over the world, and made worthy. And so here are the starting points that I need you to accept these premises to start tonight. What I'm gonna ask from you is to give us, the team, to give me, to give Martin, the next three days. I don't know what you brought in here, I don't know what your expectations are, but we're here anyway. So give us three days. And if you walk out of here and you decide this is all garbage and stupid and you're just gonna forget about it, okay, you lost three days of your life. You've got lots and lots more. And I apologize. At least you heard some good puke stories. But maybe, if you give us these three days and accept these next things, your life could never be the same. So the first is that you're worthy, regardless of what you've been told. You're made in the image and likeness of God, and you're worthy. The second is that you're loved, that God didn't create you to toil and to be living a life of drudgery, but God created you from love, for love, to be loved, 
and to be loved to others. And finally, you're called. It's not by mistake that you're here. God doesn't look at one person in this room and say, hmm, wow, didn't see that coming. I don't have anything planned for that person. Oh. I can think of a duck-billed platypus, but I can't think about this one. She'll just have to suffer this weekend. God's called you here for a purpose. There's something unique for you. And so what I'd like you to do is to utilize the journals that you were given. I do retreats in a very specific way. And it's going to be something that maybe you've never heard someone say or certainly not a teacher say. I recognize you will not hear everything that I say. I know you're going to zone out. I may even zone out at some point. <laughs> I'll just be talking kind of drift. And then come back. We're human. And I want to present this beautiful message of the theology of the body the best way that I can. But I know that sometimes sleep is short, not because we're not trying to go to bed early, but everybody's conversation is just so interesting till four in the morning. And maybe we doze off a little bit, or after lunch, it sits a little heavy. So what I'd like you to do is this. I believe that the Holy Spirit has a message for each one of us. And the best way to do that is to take little notes. Write down words or phrases that stand out to you. After tonight's talk, what stood out to you? Just the one or two words or phrases. Maybe it's not even something that says, but it's a thought that comes to you. Maybe in this particular talk, I said you're worthy, and your, your immediate visceral response was, no, I'm not. Write that down. Why, did you, why was that your response? Why did you feel that way? Dig into that. Pray through that. Take notes. It doesn't have to be exhaustive notes like you take in class. It's just, here's a word, here's a phrase, here's an image. And don't try to make sense of it right away. Just write it down and pray through it. And on Saturday night and on Sunday morning, go back to it and start to say, Lord, what are you speaking to me here? This is a mature way of dealing with the retreat. This is not a, I give you information and you digest it. I've prayed through these talks and these reflections, and I've brought what God's put on my heart so that hopefully it can stir something in yours. I'm putting a level of maturity on each person in this room because I believe you have it that's above an eighth grade level of maturity. In fact, sometimes even above maturity that your peers may have of your own age. But you're here this weekend, so I believe you've got it. So dive into it. You've got three days. Great things can happen. And so ask questions of God. Seek answers from God. You were created in his image and likeness, and there's a plan for you. Each person here, a unique reflection of the divine, of the almighty. And each one of us here, part of a great story that we're going to dive into this weekend. We'll do it often, but tonight I'd invite you to pray with me. I'd invite you to pray for openness. I don't know what burdens maybe you brought, if you're really excited or really, like, upset. But I want us to pray to leave that behind and move forward. I'm so excited to be with you. My wife's going to give birth in, like, three weeks. <laughs> I would not have come if I didn't believe God was going to do something great.
I'm firmly convinced of that. I believe that after Sunday, you will be as well. Would you pray with me? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd search our hearts. In the Psalms, you say you've searched us, you know us, you know where we're really at right now. You know if we're excited, angry, you know if we're putting on a face and a mask. You know what is standing in our way to really entering into this weekend. You know our hurts and our brokenness. There's no sense in hiding them from you, Lord. But you are good. You don't force us. Love allows for our free will to choose whether or not we want to hand those things over, whether or not we want to enter in, whether or not we want to seek a relationship with you. Lord, that's why we were created. We're created for a relationship with you. And so prepare our hearts to look at that the way we maybe never looked at it before. If we've been hurt, start to bring healing. If our minds feel chaotic, bring order. If our world seems distorted, bring clarity. Give us the courage to, to go deeper and to see what you have for us, Lord. If you pray, it was an ancient prayer in the church. It's just come Holy Spirit. I need you just to pray that out loud with me couple of times and Martin's going to lead us in a little bit of worship but just ask the Holy Spirit to be with us over the next couple of days God's very breath God's very life in Genesis it says that a wind moved over the chaos waters the Hebrew words ruach it's translated as breath or spirit the Holy Spirit brings order so would you pray that ancient prayer with me? Just come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit.